What we've now brought to bear is a device that gives us the ability to create meaningful input in the truck for the driver at a site, at a transport location or back in the head office at the control room. Last year in Australia, almost 1,300 people were killed in traffic accidents. Now, what can solve that problem? Well, better driver training, more enforcement of speed limits and maybe the Internet of Things. It's more than just a buzzword. IoT is the way big problems get solved. There's a lot of modelling out there and there's a lot of uh, predictions of uh, between 50 to 90% reduction in fatalities and crashes. That's going to have a significant benefit to society. Welcome to Telstra's Behind the Mic. I'm Adam Spencer and together we're going to explore how IoT is getting used today and what it will make possible to do in the very, very near future. The Internet of Things is an impossibly broad topic. It might seem like it means something different to everyone to whom you talk. But one thing's for sure. It's more than just your fridge having a yak with your phone. It's a process of gathering data. More data than anyone ever imagined was possible and then sorting, and here's the important part, applying that data to solve real problems. Well, the simple answer to all that is to start with the problem. I think at the moment you see a lot of companies getting into trouble because they hear a buzzword like IoT and think, okay, we've, we've just got to get onto this, and you can end up disappearing down a rabbit hole of technical processes that don't actually lead anywhere. And here's a warning. It can be a very big and expensive rabbit hole. The global IoT market is currently worth around 300 billion dollars. And impressive as that number is, consider this. There are currently only 8.4 billion connected things in use worldwide. Only 8.4 billion? Yes, because by the year 2020, there could be more than 20 billion devices talking to each other. So let me give you a real world example. You probably know that your car has sensors in it that measure the external temperature, yes? Information that could easily be transmitted back to the car manufacturer. Well, that means if a weather forecaster wanted to, they could tap into that data and create a real-time temperature map with incredible detail. A map that used every single car on the road as a mobile weather monitoring station. Well, let's take that a step further. What if your car also has sensors that show whether your windshield wipers were turned on and the speed at which they're operating? Well, if that information was transmitted and collected and sorted in real time, you could create a dynamic map of a city, tracking individual rain events across neighbourhoods. Now, because everything in this industry has to have an acronym, Telstra calls this technology V2X. That's Vehicle to Everything. And that's just weather forecasting using cars. In this series, we're going to explore how IoT can solve problems in supply chains, like having too little staff to unload trucks or too many widgets and not enough watsits. We'll look at agriculture, where IoT systems can tell you when a cow is about to go into labour, or send autonomous tractors when conditions to harvest are at their absolute best. We'll also talk to some experts using IoT to prevent droughts. But that's all for another day, because today we're talking about transportation. Now, later, we'll address the future of the much-talked-about driverless vehicles and how IoT technology is making them safer 
and more efficient. But let's start with what's on the road today. Linfox is one of the biggest transport solutions companies in Australia. Right now, as you listen to this podcast, they have thousands of trucks all across the country carrying electronics, milk, iron ore, biscuits, large machinery. In the past, these trucks moved as singular vehicles, reporting to destinations with their loads. The only transfer of information was through the good old CB radio. You know what I'm talking about. But things have changed. Each truck can now be connected. And by connected, what I mean is using IoT technology to deliver data from every single truck in its fleet back to a central monitoring hub and then back to every single truck. The goal is to enhance safety and efficiency. But if you think about it, it is a big job to roll this out. And that's why I sat down to talk with Conrad Harvey. He's the Chief Information Officer for Linfox, Australia's premier transport solutions company. Welcome to Telstra behind the mic. Hi, mate. How are you? I'm well, thanks. Let's kick this off, Conrad. What is the problem you're trying to solve with IoT? It's about the movement of physical products. IoT, for the first time, builds a bridge back from the physical world to the virtual world by actually linking action events in the field to what you are seeing and planning and tracking in the systems. And that creates a feedback loop for the first time that really allows you to make better in-time decisions for both the safety of our team members and for the efficiency and accuracy of our decisions. So when you say you're trying to mimic the real world, what, what sort of hardware are you adding to a truck What are you mimicking? Trucks have made significant leap forward over the last decade as they've added a lot more electronics and digital monitoring to their natural hardware base in terms of the telematics that they track. And what we've now brought to bear through the help of Telstra and MT Data is a device that connects that telematics through a tablet, through uh, a 4G network back into the base that gives us the ability to create meaningful input and meaningful visibility of events in the truck for the driver at a site, at a transport location or back in the head office at the control rooms. But IoT isn't really about collecting data. That's old school. IoT is about where that data goes and how it gets used. Most importantly and usefully is we can use fences to uh, trigger events, but also we get speeding events, we get uh, high G-force events, we get sudden braking, uh, we get sudden swerves, etc., which allows us to put information together in terms of risk. And then on top of that, we get efficiency measures like idling, revving, braking, etc., that give us the opportunity to potentially coach drivers around opportunities for them to save fuel. So there's both the potential environmental benefits, but also... I presume, safety benefits for the drivers and other people within the vicinity of the truck. Exactly right. So with MT Data, we can bring some useful coaching events into the cab at the moment of uh, the event because of the fact that we have a real-time feedback loop to the driver. I was going to ask, yes, is it, do you, is most of the data taken away, analysed and used later or is it used in real time? And you're saying it's, it's, it's a mix, do you end up doing both? Yeah, again, like anything, it's finding the right level because clearly you don't want to irritate experienced drivers by constantly warning them that they're braking regularly if they're stuck in a traffic jam uh, on the East Link. But the reverse is you would want to potentially warn a driver if they're coming up to a dangerous corner at a speed that probably feels well within the speed limits but might be a danger at that corner. It can't be cheap 
to do something like this, fitting out an individual truck and creating the data hub and running in an ongoing sense, where's the potential return on investment for a, for, for a put down of, of this sort of magnitude? Well, if you break the return back into three parts, the first part is a non-negotiable for Linfox, which is about improving safety outcomes. The second thing is we have undoubtedly got a more demanding supply chain universe in which we operate today. And so being able to give customers real-time tracking, real-time events, real-time geofence alerts is a significant part of what a supply chain is expected to do in the future and today. And the third part is there is undoubtedly opportunity by taking an experienced fleet of drivers and giving them useful and usable information to find that next level of improvement and safety and efficiency. Just a few years ago, people were so excited about M2M. That's machine-to-machine communication. But IoT turns that linear communication into a veritable web a ridiculous number of data sources combining and being used for an equally ridiculous number of purposes. The tech is the enabler. The problem drives the tech, not the other way round. So transmitting such a huge amount of data is where Telstra can bring its networking infrastructure into play. At the moment, we're working on a concept that is only possible because of this technology platform, which is called Am I Going to Be Late? So we're working with uh, Amazon, amongst others, to say, could we get to a point where we could almost say, hey, Alexa, am I going to be late? And then it takes the information about the destination, takes traffic information from Google and other sources, and mashes that together to predict whether or not the truck's going to arrive on time and then gives the option for the control room to alert the customer or to automatically alert the customer. What is incredible is that's in most of our cars today, but we don't tend to typically use it, and there are more and more devices becoming available in cars. And obviously, empty data takes that to a whole new level at an industrial scale for a company and for our trucks. But, you know, it's the ability to mash together information from the device, the truck, that's provided through the telematics, and then linking that to a sensible communication and information hub to get it back in real time to a central data hub in the cloud and then make it available in useful and usable ways for either the driver or a central control room. What other amazing stuff is is down the line? What's the next problem you might be wanting to solve, Conrad? Well, one of the things that immediately comes to mind, and we're trialling this with some of our customers today, is being able to tell a customer when the truck's about to arrive at the back door. And, you know, there's no reason why we can't do that. The other thing is being able to improve the fatigue management. One of the things that's a passion for our company and is very important in our industry is making sure that our drivers are taking the necessary breaks when they can and when they need to. And we can actually set the device up to monitor that very tightly to make it very easy and clear to our drivers when they need to take breaks. And then over time, we can evolve that even further to the point that we can very accurately predict where the best place is to take a break in time for their next required break time. Well, a few years ago, that would have sounded like science fiction, but not now. IoT is not just a new technology, it's changing the way technology is being developed. It really is, as Conrad said, mapping the real world into a digital space. IoT is imposing structure on messy real-world data and then turning it into real-world solutions. And some of its most amazing applications are perhaps just around the corner. Driverless cars are an obvious example of that. In Australia and New Zealand today, there are 15 trials underway 
at various universities and other research facilities. ADVI, that's the Australian and New Zealand Driverless Vehicle Initiative, is a group working to make sure the transition to self-driving cars and trucks is smooth and effective for everyone. And Rita Excel is their executive director. When we talk about driverless vehicles, what, what do we mean? Because it seems to me there's a, there's a spectrum of things, all the way from a car where if you are still driving, it's also sensing things and might override with braking, through to some sort of uh, autopilot situations where I'm still meant to keep my hands on the wheel. Then there's things where the car will drive itself, but I have to sit there keeping an eye on things, all the way through to I can be asleep in the boot and the car will completely look after itself. What do we mean when we say a vehicle is driverless, Rita? So uh, you're right. What you're talking about is all the stages of automation and, you know, what we're seeing in cars now with lane keeping assist and those sort of things about is level two automation. And when we talk about driverless, we talk about fully driverless where you don't have to take part in it at all. When it comes to this fully driverless state, what we might call eyes off, brain off, what, what are we seeing now? What, what, what's already happening in Australia in that space? So what we're seeing in Australia is these driverless shuttles, these little 12-seater buses that are around about level four. They've still got a chaperone, as we call it, and they're really on very dedicated paths that they operate on, fully mapped geofence locations that they operate. So we're seeing, I think, almost every state's got one of these little buses in some sort of a pilot or trial, mainly around very controlled areas, university campuses and precincts. So things like shuttles that operate in very controlled environments Environments Are vehicles yet able to handle fully uncontrolled environments? Where are the main areas of challenge in, in, in stepping across that divide? I think it's humans and the unpredictability of humans and also programming in human behaviour. So the human side is really the biggest hurdle to overcome. We've had companies like Google, Waymo, Uber, they've been working this space for seven to ten years. Volvo, one of our partners, they've been running a trial in Gothenburg where they've given a technology to humans humans to use on one of their ring roads. So really that programming in the human machine interface is the is the really tricky part. And that's why from an ADVI perspective, even though we want to see this accelerated, we want to see it accelerated safely. And so we want to see incremental steps and done in a really safety first approach. So they're coming. There's no doubt about that. But it does seem that we're paused for the moment. It's been a couple of years that we've been hearing about being on the verge. And yet local car dealerships are still conspicuously lacking in self-driving cars. It's not going to be everything everywhere, but I think in the next three to five years, as you mentioned, some of the auto manufacturers are talking about not having steering wheels in cars post-2021, so that's not very far away. What I see is that we're really going to get more hands-off driving in a range of areas, and I think cities are really ripe to have this in a very controlled city environment in low speeds where you have vehicles that are actually driving them from one place to another to pick people up. This will be an amazing resource. Thousands upon thousands of data collectors crisscrossing the country every second of the day. Obviously, that's not possible without a truly massive network of high-speed communication channels like Telstra's 4G and soon-to-be-available 5G networks. And that's transmitting and receiving. That's the IoT component of this. Each vehicle 
will be both a collector of data and also a user of the information gathered by all the other cars. Even now, if you use one of those traffic apps and you see a section ahead in your journey that's orange instead of blue or, in the worst-case scenario, red, that's already vehicles, in effect, communicating with each other via the third party of the app to show you traffic flow, for example, or if there's a particular part of the road network that's difficult to negotiate, once one intelligent car has done that and worked out the best speed and the best angle of approach, if that can be shared amongst a network, it's like all the cars are... You know, in inverted commas, learning to drive together. That's a really powerful sort of machine learning experience, I guess. Absolutely. I think that the big flaw at the moment is it just depends which app you're on. And if you're like me, you get your friends saying, oh, this one works really good in this city and this <laughs> one works really good here. And, and so, yeah, all these multiple apps, but really the benefit would be to have all that information going into some area, then they all share and they bring that back to their customers in some way so that, yeah, you get the benefits of all the information and all the vehicles that are on the road. But, you know, the one data set, one version of the truth is really important, especially in this space. So we're already at the point of autonomous shuttles on very controlled tracks. I think people can see ahead to the compelling arguments for things like driverless trucks doing long-haul routes on lonely outback roads, etc. But then what? Where, where do you see this going? What's what's the next big problem you want to solve? What I think is really critical is that we start planning our cities without needing to have a plan for cars to be parked all the time. So you start, um, instead of having big shopping centres with great expanses of bitumen and car park, that you actually don't need that because the way people are going to get there and move around their uh, cities is going to be different. So that's, that's where I see it's about having confidence in what the technology is going to be how it's going to change the way people want to move uh, and in particular, you know, how we can improve our cities from that. I think it's really important also to understand that we need to not just do this incrementally. We need to have a planned approach and make sure that we get the benefits that we want as soon as possible and mitigate some of the disbenefits. Some people choose to put their head in the sand about this sort of stuff. Others are quite intimidated by it. I get the impression, Reddy, that you're, you're excited. Oh, look, you know, road safety is about understanding that it's a whole system um, and when there is a failure, it's the system that fails. It's not about capturing somebody when they've committed an offence, it's actually preventing that offence from occurring in the first place. And if somebody gets drowsy, gets distracted or falls asleep because they're on a long drive, this is an ultimate way to resolve that problem. People like driving, but I'm sure they don't like driving everywhere in every condition, in congestion, boring driving. I think people will still want to drive and they'll have places that they can still drive. But what I'm saying is there's some places where humans probably shouldn't be driving all the time. You can be forgiven if you get the shivers thinking about what could be right around the corner. From the outside, it looks like more and more of our society is becoming automated, that we're losing control of the machines in our life. But that's not actually true. In many ways, we are getting more control. Through the Internet of Things, we're getting more information about the world around us. And we're able to make better decisions about how we use the tools in our lives. Well, that's it for this episode of Telstra's Behind the Mic. I want to thank Conrad Harvey from Linfox and Rita Excel from Advi for joining us on this journey. If you'll forgive the pun, and I don't blame you if you don't, 
You can subscribe to the show through iTunes or your favourite podcasting app if you'd like to understand more on connecting technology with your world. By subscribing, you'll get notified when the next episode's going to be released. In that one, we'll be looking at the cities of the future. How IoT is going to connect your home to other homes in your neighbourhood, to your office, to city services. I think it'll blow your mind what's possible here. Also, check out other apps from Telstra's Behind the Mic. Open conversations on insights, inspirations and innovation. We've been talking about transportation. Well, how about space travel? It's not autonomous yet, but you also don't have to be a professional astronaut anymore. You can go into space as a tourist. That's right. I talked to Anusha Ansari, the first female self-funded space traveller, about her incredible 11-day holiday in space. I was crying. I was laughing at the same time. I felt this energy and this beauty and this warmth of life coming from our planet. When I came back, I was totally depressed. I felt like people are sleepwalking and I wanted to go shake them and wake them up. It's like, forget about all this craziness and noise in your life. You know, you have to see what's important and you need to focus on it. It's hard because people look at you like you're crazy. That's from an episode of the podcast series Telstra Vantage Behind the Mic a conversation that filled me with optimism and hope, and I'm sure it'll do the same for you. Be sure to check that out when you're looking for your next podcast. I'm Adam Spencer. Thanks for listening.